0: Twitter files number seven has dropped. More bombshells about the FBI's treason, plus audio from Devin Unis, Cash Patel, Peter Schweitzer, and more on this special edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We are the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 306 of the all-new Doc Washburn show for Monday, December 19th, 2022. Just Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time. A lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States, is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If, you, if you'd if you like to support what we do, go to our website, com and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. All right, we have been breaking down for you following the deep dive into the Twitter files, the deep dive into the collusion between areas of our federal government intel community, and social media to rig the 2020 election, to violate your First Amendment right to free speech. It's really bad. Now we have, before we get to Twitter Files drop number seven, we have a Twitter Files supplemental to Twitter Files chapter six that Matt Taibbi did on Friday Friday. December 16th. So Sunday, December 18th, Matt Taibbi comes out with Twitter Files Supplemental before we get to uh, Chapter 7. And he says, In July 2020, San Francisco FBI agent Elvis Chan, you've been hearing a lot about him, tells Twitter executive Yoel Roth, you've been hearing a lot about him, to expect written questions from the Foreign Influence Task Force, the interagency group that deals with cyber threats. And he's got a screenshot on that. Next, he says, the questionnaire authors seem displeased with Twitter for implying in a July twentieth, 2020, DHS, ODNI, FBI industry briefing that, quote, you indicated you had not observed much recent activity from official propaganda actors on your platform. ODNI is the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. And there's a screenshot here with a lot of questions. Okay, it says During the June 10th, 2020 working group meeting on election security, you indicated you had not observed much recent activity from official propaganda actors. On your platform to make sure we understand the state media online landscape as much as possible. We hope you would be able to answer some questions about your analysis and conclusions for context. Other sources we are aware of, including those referenced below, indicate state media actors are prolific users of social media. Which seems in contrast to your own analysis as we documented it at the time of our discussion, so they have a foregone conclusion, oh, Russia's going to try to steal it for 2020 for Trump just like they did in 2016, which of course have been thoroughly disproven, and they don't care. they got a narrative. you know what they say about con artists never give up the never they never give up the con the good ones at least don't anyway. It continues, we would appreciate any other information you are willing to provide about your recent conclusions. And they have a set of like six bullet points. First of all, in what ways and by what measures do you see official propaganda actors as less active than other groups on your platform? What groups are you comparing to official propaganda actors? Second bullet point, what official propaganda actors did you include in your analysis How do you differentiate official propaganda actors from foreign state actors, and what is the reasoning to make that distinction? In which bucket do you place, for example, outlets such as Ruptly or In the Now, which are part of the state media apparatus, but which seek to obscure that link by using different branding? Are they included in your analysis? Number three, what quantitative metrics do you use to judge volume? of activity on your platform. On what scale can you provide these metrics? Fourth bullet point. What relative weight do you give each metric when judging volume of activity? Fifth bullet point. What qualitative measures do you use to inform judgments about activity, including the volume of activity on your platform? Sixth bullet point. How do you limit the scope of your analysis of the domestic scam? foreign state official propaganda and white supremacist actors in other words date range language location topic etc so i mean we got a first amendment right to free speech what business is it of theirs i mean why not just tell them to take a long walk off a short pier well, okay or for those of you more sensitive listeners in order not to offend your delicate sensibilities, an alternative. Instead of telling them to take a long walk off a short pier, why not just suggest they merely roll off a long pier? Just a thought, just a thought. So Matt Taibbi says on this supplemental to Twitter Files Chapter 6 that drops Sunday evening December 18th, he said, one would think that would be good news. The agency, in other words, the fact that Twitter is not seeing much recent activity from official propaganda actors on Twitter, Matt Taibbi says, well, one would think that would be good news. The agencies seem to feel otherwise. FBI agent Elvis Chan underscored this. He wrote, referring to the United States intelligence community, there was quite a bit of discussion within the USIC to get clarifications from your company. The task force demanded to know how Twitter came to its unpopular conclusion that there wasn't much recent activity from foreign propaganda actors on Twitter. Oddly, it included a bibliography of public sources, including a Wall Street Journal article, attesting to the prevalence of foreign threats, as if to show Twitter they got it wrong because the media was saying differently. Yoel Roth, certainly no conservative, receiving the questions, circulated them with other company executives and complained that he was, quote, frankly perplexed by the requests here, which seem more like something we get from a congressional committee than the Bureau. Well, yeah, but see like Chuck Schumer said. And if you cross the intel community, they get got six different ways of Sunday getting back at you. And you don't have to be a conservative crossing; You can be a liberal crossing. cross Yoel Roth added he was not comfortable with the Bureau, and by extension the intelligence community as, uh, as a whole, demanding written answers. The idea of the FBI acting as conduit for the intelligence community writ large is interesting given that many agencies are barred from domestic operations. Uh-oh, that's true now. Yoel Roth then sent another note internally saying, the premise of the questions was flawed because, quote, we've been clear that official state propaganda is definitely a thing on Twitter, unquote. Note the italics for emphasis. Definitely a thing on Twitter's in italics. Yoel Roth suggested they get on the phone with Elvis. Now, this is not Presley. This is FBI agent Elvis Chan out of San Francisco office. Yoel Roth suggested they get on the phone with Elvis ASAP and try to straighten this out to disabuse the agencies of any notion that state propaganda is not a thing on Twitter. This exchange is odd, among other things, because some of the bibliography materials cited by the FITF, in other words, the Foreign Influence Task Force, are sourced to intelligence officials who in turn cited the public sources. The FBI responded to Twitter Files Chapter 6, which dropped Friday, December 16th, by saying it regularly engages with private sector entities to provide information specific to identified foreign malign influence actors, subversive, undeclared, covert, or criminal activities. Matt Taibbi continues, that may be true, but we haven't seen that in the documents to date. Instead, we've mostly seen requests for moderation, involving low-follower accounts belonging to ordinary Americans and Billy Baldwin, the actor, Billy Baldwin. In other words, they want Twitter to moderate the content they allow on their platform. And Matt Taibbi winds it up saying, watch Barry Weiss and Dr. Michael Schellenberger for more from the Twitter files. Okay, great. So, then Monday the 19th, More drops for Michael Schellenberger. Twitter Files Part 7. And it gets real, y'all. It gets real. Here's how it starts. The FBI and the Hunter Biden laptop. How the FBI and intelligence community discredited factual information about Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings, both after and before the New York Post revealed the contents of his laptop on October 14, 2020. And he says, in Twitter files number six, which is what Matt Taibbi dropped Friday evening, December 16th, we saw the FBI relentlessly seek to exercise influence over Twitter including over its content, its users, and its data. In Twitter files number seven, we present evidence pointing to an organized effort by representatives of the intelligence community aimed at senior executives at news and social media companies to discredit leaked information about Hunter Biden before and after it was published. The story begins in December 2019 when a computer store owner in Wilmington, Delaware, named John Paul Mac Isaac, contacts the FBI about a laptop that Hunter Biden had left with him. On December 9, 2019, the FBI issues a subpoena for and takes Hunter Biden's laptop. Now, why would they have to issue a subpoena? The guy was offering it up. Anyway, that is covered, by the way. in the New York Post article of October 14th, 2020. The one that Twitter and Facebook and everybody else censored. Got it? Michael Schellenberger continues. By August 2020... John Paul MacIsaac still had not heard back from the FBI. Remember, they they took Hunter's laptop December 2019 by August 2020. He still hadn't heard back from him, even though he had discovered evidence of criminal activity on the laptop. And so he emails Rudy Giuliani, who was under FBI surveillance at the time in early October, Giuliani, gives his copy of the laptop, the hard drive, to the New York Post. Shortly before seven PM Eastern Time, on october thirteenth, Hunter Biden's attorney, a guy named George Maciris, I think I know a guy who knows him, he emails John Paul Mac Isaac. Hunter and Maciris had just learned from the New York Post, that its story about the laptop would be published the next day. And here's a screenshot of the email. John Paul, thank you for speaking with me tonight. As I indicated, I am a lawyer for Hunter Biden, and I appreciate you reviewing your records on this matter. Thank you, George R. Masiris, partner at Fager Drinker Biddle & Wreath LLP, Chicago. At 9.22 p.m. Eastern. At 622 Pacific, FBI Special Agent Elvis Chan sends 10 documents to Twitter's then Head of Site Integrity, Yo Roth, and keeps on coming up, doesn't it, through Teleporter, which is a one-way communications channel from the FBI to Twitter. All right? And they got a screenshot of this from Elvis M. Chan, San Francisco FBI. Twitter folks, Heads up, I will be sending a teleporter link for you to download 10 documents. It is not spam, exclamation mark. Please confirm receipt when you get it. Thanks. And Roth emails back on this teleporter thing. Received and downloaded. Thanks. All right, Michael Schellenberg says, The next day, October 14, 2020, the New York Post runs its explosive story revealing the business dealings of President I don't want to say that. I don't call him president. And he wasn't president then anyway. The business dealings of Joe Biden's son, Hunter. Every single fact in the New York Post article October fourteenth, 2020 was accurate. Every single assertion was factual. Schellenberger says, and yet within hours, Twitter and other social media companies censor the New York Post article. Preventing it from spreading, and more importantly, undermining its credibility in the minds of many Americans. Why is that? What exactly happened? And by the way, when he says other social media companies, not just Twitter, he's talking about Facebook. They're the big dog, you know. I mean, for all I know, Google probably censored it too. On December 2nd, Matt Saiby described the debate in the first chapter of the Twitter Files. He described the debate inside Twitter over its decision to censor an article that was completely accurate. Since then, we have discovered new information that points to an organized effort by the intel community to influence Twitter and other platforms. We're just scratching the surface. More coming up straight ahead as the Doc Washburn Show Continues. Look, if you tried to buy a car recently, you probably realize there's such a chip shortage. You may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River, your way, wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still right here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, You'll see each vehicle has a button that says explore payment options. You click that button and it guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, Order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy online. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door, no matter where you live in the continental United States. RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. All right, we are so excited to have Mike Lindell and My Pillow as brand new sponsors. Of the Doc Washburn Show. This is the first time I'm announcing this. My wife and I just love sleeping on our Giza Dream bed sheets, and we have for a long time, way before this affiliation with Mike Lindell and My Pillow. I'm wearing my brand new My Slippers moccasins. I had no idea slippers could feel this good, and we love our My Pillow towel set. Again, we use My Pillow towels. Way before we had this brand-new affiliation with Mike Lindell and MyPillow. Those towels are luxurious, and we can't wait to get our MyPillows, which are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Mike Lindell also has all kinds of great deals on automotive products, bath and beauty, books and video, clothing, decor items, food and drink, garden and patio, health, health and health, home improvement, household essentials, kitchen and dining, personal care, sports and outdoors, toys and games, and so much more over at his new website, mystore.com. And right now, you can save up to 50% on Giza Dream Sheet sets. Get them for as little as $29.99 by using the promo code DWS. Save up to $90 on my slippers, slip-ons, and moccasins. Mark down to just forty nine ninety eight by using promo code DWS. And right now, get a six-piece MyPillow towel set for only $44.98 just by using promo code DWS. We are honored to be affiliated with a great American patriot like Mike Lindell. Now, some of Mike's items are marked down up to 80% off. If you make sure to use promo code DWS, and now remember that promo code, DWS. It does not stand for Debbie Washerman Schultz. No, 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 no. It stands for Doc Washburn Show. That's very important to remember that. MyPillow.com, MyStore.com, and the promo code DWS. You gotta love them. All right. Now we are just scratching the surface with Michael Schellenberger and Twitter Files Chapter 7. And he says, first, it's important to understand that Hunter Biden earned tens of millions of dollars in contracts with foreign businesses, including foreign businesses linked to China's government, for which Hunter Biden offered no real work. In other words, they gave him money for doing nothing. So here's an in, here's an overview by investigative journalist Peter Schweitzer. Now, in case you're thinking, uh, Peter Schweitzer, boy, that name sounds familiar. Peter Schweitzer, how, how do I know that name? Cause I've interviewed him before on the Doc Washman show myself, but he has written a number of great books. He has written a number of bestsellers, like Red Handed, Profiles in Corruption, Secret Empires, Bush Bucks, Clinton Cash, Extortion. Some of those might sound familiar to you. All right, let's check out and see what uh, Peter Schweitzer is saying that Michael Schellenberger is linking to here in the Twitter files, chapter seven, which have just now dropped Monday, December 19th, 2022.
1: Well, what we know is that the Biden family uh, has benefited from commercial deals overseas uh, to the tune of tens of millions of dollars. Uh, that's not in dispute. That's based on um, the so-called suspicious activity reports that the Treasury Department has released because a U.S. Uh, Senate committee asked for it. These documents show the flow of funds um, from Russian, Ukrainian and Chinese sources, among others. So we know there's been a flow of funds. We also know that the people sending that money uh, have very close relationships with the government. So in the case of China, for example, which I believe is the most troubling of the of the group of foreign donors, um, you can actually look on the Hunter Biden laptop and find the businessmen who secured these deals uh, for Hunter Biden. Uh, There are four gentlemen that are named. um, If you look at those four gentlemen, each and every one of them has close ties to the highest levels of Chinese intelligence. So, for example, one gentleman who he calls the super chairman uh, at the same time that Hunter Biden secures a deal with him, That translates into about $20 million. That same Chinese businessman is business partners with the vice minister of state security in China, who is responsible for foreign recruitment. Uh, This has been reported in, in Hong Kong. This is not just Peter Schweitzer saying it. So. You have the flow of funds, you have the flow of funds from foreign parties that are linked to the government and intelligence services, and then you have the third component of this, which is there's no discernible service or product or anything that Hunter Biden has brought to the table. So the question has to be asked, why are foreign actors like these four businessmen in China arranging deals worth tens of millions of dollars to the Bidens? Uh, and not getting anything in return and what's important to point out here is that Hunter Biden uh, is the one who's the signatory on these
2: deals, but
1: the laptop also shows that money is fungible within the Biden family. We know that $2 million that arrived from China ended up with his uncle, James Biden, and we also know that Hunter Biden paid some of his father's bills while he was vice president of the United States. So this is not a Hunter Biden question. This is a larger Biden family question. All right, so
0: that's the start. That's the start. And it's interesting now that Michael Schellenberger is is linking to this interview that Matt Taibbi is actually doing with Peter Schweitzer. So now Matt Taibbi has a question for Schweitzer.
2: Now, one of the things that I hear from Democrats is that they say, well, you know, this is kind of common. And look, the Trump family had all sorts of business dealings with Russia. Is that
3: true?
0: Okay. That's Matt Taibbi's question. And and Taibbi, of course, one of the people dropping the Twitter files, longtime journalist, Here's Schweitzer's answer. Uh,
1: So the the Trump family does actually have some deals in China, although they kind of were unwinding. Um, And I raised questions about that and some of the finance deals that Jared Kushner uh, was involved in in the Middle East. Um, And those need scrutiny and they need analysis. And by the way, they were scrutinized by the mainstream media. So that's a good thing. The Biden deals weren't, but there's also a critical, crucial difference here in my mind, and that is... The deals that the Trumps had with China, the, the, the one that really translated into money was a deal that Ivanka Trump had for the manufacturing of shoes and other things in, in her apparel line. That was a line started, you know, 10, 15 years ago. My point being, those were actual legitimate businesses that predate any involvement. in play. You certainly you know, watch them and be aware of them and, and, and take them into account. With the Bidens, we're not talking about that. Hunter Biden, after his father becomes vice president of the United States, suddenly decides he's going to go into international finance. Ill-defined. He has no background. He has no experience. uh, And he's not doing deals in London or Tokyo. He immediately goes to Russia, China, and Ukraine for those deals. So I I believe all foreign uh, deals should, uh, should be scrutinized. But you have to differentiate, my, in my mind, the difference between, say, Michael Bloomberg, who his company, Bloomberg, has major business deals and dealings in China, uh, which need to be watched. But that's a legitimate business. You cannot compare that to Rosemont Seneca mm-hmm. Partners, uh, which is, frankly, in a large extent, a fictitious business entity that was funneling money to Hunter Biden and his family.
0: Okay, so now... Matt Taibbi is going to have another question, again, for Peter Schweitzer, the eminent chronicler of all things Biden corruption.
2: Now, what about, what about Trump's relationship with, Russian, with Russia?
0: Because that's what the intel community wants to think about, Trump-Russia, right? All those years. Mueller spent $40 million, almost two years, Dozens of rabidly partisan Democrat prosecutors looking for any little thing they could get Trump on. Nothing, nothing, nothing.
1: Well, there, there was no question there was a there were discussions and there was a uh, sort of verbal agreement uh, to build a Trump Tower uh, in Moscow. But there was no real exchange of money uh, in that case. And again, I would say, look, that deserves scrutiny. But Donald Trump actually has built hotels and condos around the world. Uh, certainly, mm-hmm. it's not appropriate to be doing that while you're a candidate or president of the United States, uh, but to somehow put that in a nefarious light when you're ignoring a business that has no history that predates your father being vice president of the United States and you have zero track record in it, I don't think you can compare those two very effectively. Tony Bobulinski is credible because he provides the actual communications, the comms that took place. I've actually seen... The Blackberries and the phones where these this correspondence took place, and it's very straightforward. Number one, Bobolinsky released to the Senate and gave to the FBI. Correspondence that I've seen uh, that shows clearly that they were not to discuss Joe Biden's involvement in the business. Their actual correspondence that Tony Bobulinski has with the business partners where they say, don't bring up the father's name. Don't discuss the father in the context of the deals. The family's very skittish about it. In other words, the partners did not say, he's not involved, there's a Chinese wall, so to speak, that divides him from these deals. It was, don't discuss it. Uh, And then you have correspondence when they're discussing a deal with CEFC. This is a Chinese energy company uh, that is going to be setting up a Chinese uh, energy infrastructure fund in the United States uh, that the ownership structure is such that 10% uh, was going to be given to Hunter to caretake for the big guy. You know,
0: I don't go too far on a limb here, but this almost sounds corrupt to me.
1: Uh, There's lots of correspondence on the laptop and in Tony Bobulinski's communications where the big guy is the reference for Joe Biden. So that's the first thing to consider. The second thing to consider is there is lots of evidence on the laptop that Joe Biden was familiar with his son's deals. And it's worth looking at kind of the evolution of what Joe Biden has said. When I first broke the story in my book, uh, Secret Empires in 2018, about the Biden family's deal in China. The initial the initial Biden response was there were no deals. There's nothing to see here. This is fabricated. Then when it was confirmed that, okay, yes, there were deals in China, Joe Biden's position became, well, I never discussed those matters with my son, any of these business dealings. Uh, We now know, of course, that Joe Biden flew his son on Air Force Two. Uh, to China, where Hunter Biden met with those Chinese business partners. And we also know on the laptop that, in fact, there are references to Hunter Biden saying to his business partners, I talked to my father about this deal, and he's going to help.
0: Wait a minute. Is this guy implying that Barack Obama's vice president, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., old lunch bucket Joe from Scranton, Actually prevaricated? Well, I'll never. My stars and goddess. What has become of us?
1: Uh, So now they've shifted from saying there were no deals. Joe Biden didn't know about the deals to Joe Biden didn't benefit from those deals or did nothing uh, to um, help these deals along. Uh, And my point is, this is what you need an investigation for. Uh, You know, look, we've got the transference of millions of dollars uh, for no services rendered. Nobody's disputing that. We know the individuals who transferred this money have connections to foreign intelligence services. We know that Joe Biden and his son, Hunter Biden, are close. They communicate all the time. They're not estranged. Uh, And we know uh, that there are questions about the posture that the Biden administration has assumed towards China. So my view has always been... This warrants investigation. I'm not saying a crime's been committed. I don't know. I'm not saying that Joe Biden uh, uh, is is on the take from the Chinese. We don't know. But I- well, I know. He is. I do believe that this deserves serious investigation by a body like a congressional committee that has subpoena power. And it seems to me... If we are prepared to investigate Donald Trump uh, based on an anonymous dossier, and by the way, at least the first five or six months, I supported that investigation. But if we're prepared to investigate that, uh, Iran-Contra, Bill Clinton and Whitewater, this is much higher in terms of the threshold of evidence and information we have that warrants a look and warrants a, a subpoena power effort to find out exactly what is going on here
0: fact check true and by the way i don't know if you're uh, familiar with the great molly hemingway over the uh, the com. molly hemingway editor in chief of the federalist senior journalism fellow at hillsdale college but she is saying about the twitter files part 7 dropped by michael schellenberger they were in the middle of She's out there on Twitter saying, highly recommend reading through this latest Twitter files. It's absolutely horrific to read what FBI officials and former FBI general counsel James Baker, who also helped run the Russia collusion hoax, did to help out Biden and grievously harm the election process. Just so you know. All right, uh, back to it. So Michael Schellenberger had introduced the Peter Schweitzer interview by saying, First, it's important to understand that Hunter Biden earned tens of millions of dollars in contracts with foreign businesses, including ones linked to China's government, for which Hunter offered no real work. Here's an overview by investigative journalist Peter Schweitzer, then we play the audio. Schellenberger says, and yet, during all of 2020, the FBI and other law enforcement agencies repeatedly primed Yoel Roth at Twitter to dismiss reports of Hunter Biden's laptop as a Russian hack and leak operation. And here's a screenshot of a page from a sworn declaration by Yoel Roth given to the Federal Election Commission, December of 2020. And it says, since 2018, I have had regular meetings with the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, the Department of Homeland Security, the FBI, and industry peers regarding election security. He says, during these weekly meetings, the federal law enforcement agencies communicated that they expected hack and leak operations by state actors might occur in the period shortly before the 2020 presidential election, likely in October. I was told in these meetings that the intelligence community expected that individuals associated with political campaigns would be subject to hacking attacks and that material obtained through those hacking attacks would likely be disseminated over social media platforms, including Twitter. These expectations of hack and leak operations were discussed throughout 2020. I also learned in these meetings that there were rumors that a hack and leak operation would involve... Hunter Biden. Okay? So Schellenberger says they did the same thing to Facebook, according to CEO Mark Zuckerberg. And let's have the audio from Zuckerberg now. This is when he was on with Joe Rogan, and Joe Rogan was trying to hide his excitement that Zuckerberg was admitting some stuff that he probably should not have admitted publicly the background here is the
2: fbi i think basically came to us uh, some some folks on our team It was like hey um just so you know like you should be on high alert there was the we we thought that there was a lot of russian propaganda in the 2016 election we have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of of um uh, that's similar to that you got that
0: Because, you know, when it first happened on the Joe Rogan show, I played for you like that whole broader clip giving the context and Joe Rogan becoming very soft with his questions and very calm and very under control and hiding his excitement that Zuckerberg is breaking this news on his show. So then Schellenberger says, Were the FBI warnings of a Russian hack and leak operation relating to Hunter Biden based on any new intel? No, they were not. As a matter of fact, FBI agent Elvis Chan admitted in November, quote, through our investigations, we did not see any similar competing intrusions to what had happened in 2016, unquote. Well, they made the 2016 part up too, so that should tell you something right there. Schellenberger says, indeed, Twitter executives repeatedly reported very little Russian activity. For example, on September 24th, 2020, Twitter told FBI it had removed 345 largely inactive accounts linked to previous coordinated Russian hacking attempts. They had little reach and low follower accounts. Got it? In fact, Twitter debunked false claims by journalists of foreign influence on its platform. So, this is interesting. Elvis Chan, FBI agent, San Francisco, sends an email and says, out of an abundance of caution, this is June 2nd, 2020, out of an abundance of caution, I wanted to reach out to you about this news story. And he links to NBC News, says, Twitter takes down Washington protest disinformation bot behavior. He says, the second part of the article focuses on the D.C. blackout campaign and its potential to being driven by foreign-controlled bots. Anything we should be aware of, Concerning this topic, thanks. Regards, Elvis. Yoel Roth emails him back almost immediately saying, Hi Elvis, we haven't seen any evidence to support that claim. Our review thus far shows a small-scale domestic troll effort that was amplified in some creative ways by real people, but not a significant bot of or foreign angle. I wonder if at any point given the name of the FBI special agent there, Elvis. I wonder if any point anybody felt like breaking out in song. Treat me like a fool. Treat me. Cool. Oh, 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 sorry. 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 I apologize. I keep forgetting you guys are music lovers that had to be sheer torment. I uh, I apologize profusely, I promise. I will never do that again until next time. Um, so, you know, a few people listen to the live stream. Most people listen to the podcast after the fact. Uh, but somebody says here on the live stream, other than the obvious, why was Hunter hanging out in nowhere Arkansas? Um, we have no evidence that Hunter was ever in Arkansas. We do have evidence that he fathered a child of a woman who was from Arkansas, but we have no evidence that Hunter was ever in Arkansas. And just to be on the safe side, the next time the attorney who represents the mother of Hunter's child is on my program, I'll make sure to ask him about that. But I, I don't think we have any evidence that Hunter was ever in Arkansas, just so you know. All right, now. That having been said, we got a lot more coming up. But first, let me just remind you, I've been talking about how the world is going crazy with supply chain issues, record-setting inflation, and sky-high gas prices, and woke corporations that stand against everything we believe in. We all know how the big box stores were allowed to stay open all during the pandemic while so many little guys, small business owners, regular people were forced to close. The wealthiest people on earth became better off while mom-and-pop businesses suffered. The question is, what are we willing to do about it? For that matter, what can we do about it? How can our voices be heard? Well, we can make a difference by voting with our dollars. Why continue shopping at big-box stores if you can get the items you need from a family-owned company? Now, finally, we can shop factory-direct at a family-owned, made-in-America manufacturer, Switch to America.com is helping Americans walk away from the big box conglomerates. That's why Switch to America was created with regular folks like you and me in mind. One of the best ways to get around this crazy inflation is to shop with family-owned companies that put their customers first rather than shareholders and corporate executives. A lot of patriot influencers have come on board. I'm inviting you to join with fellow patriots to cut off the cash flow of the big, woke corporations that are trying to destroy our country. We are done with a woke, globalist operation against humanity. Each of us can take market share away from these businesses that have enjoyed unfair advantages. We can choose to help each other by shopping family-owned, made in America. The website is switch Join with over 2 million monthly shoppers, that have already made the switch. Let's start voting with our dollars to make sure our purchases are supporting companies that promote freedom. SwitchToAmerica.com is dedicated to offering family-owned alternatives for items we buy on a regular basis. Just go to to SwitchToAmerica.com. When it asks how you heard about us, click on my name, Doc Washburn, plug in your info, and I'll have one of my guys contact you. SwitchToAmerica.com. All right, now it's time to tell you about the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo? How about problems with your blood sugar, psoriasis, migraines? The Arkansas Upper Cervical Center might be able to help you. Let me tell you how. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas which only weighs two ounces. So it's really easy for your Atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it's designed to do. I had severe hay fever for five or six weeks, every spring all my life had bad migraines too. When I got my Atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away and it's never come back again. If you're suffering from sinus conditions, allergies, vertigo, psoriasis, problems with your blood sugar, even migraines, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation. They've helped me, they've helped my wife, they've helped so many people we know. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number again, for your free consultation, 501-279-2009. If you're outside central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, click on the tab that says find a doctor near you, and I sure hope you can. Okay, one more announcement here. i got to tell you about America's only conservative Christian wireless carrier, Patriot Mobile. Now more than ever, it's so important for us to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget, along with great discounts for our veterans and first responder heroes, as well as multi-line users. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're shifting your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. When you become a Patriot Mobile member, your dollars are helping to fund our God-given right to freedom. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Switching is easy. Just go to PatriotMobile.com or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Make sure you use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, also now offers competitive business plans to sue companies of any size. If you're a conservative-owned business, tired of seeing your hard-earned dollars, go to Corporate Woke Agendas, switch to Patriot Mobile Business Now. Learn more at business.patreonmobile.com or call their 100% U.S.-based member services team at 469-FREEDOM. Use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. That's business.patreonmobile.com or just call 469-FREEDOM. So, Michael Schellenberger, Twitter Files, Chapter 7. And where we left off... He was saying that Twitter had actually debunked false claims by journalists of foreign influence on their platform. We haven't seen any evidence to support that claim by Ben Collins, senior reporter at NBC News, of foreign-controlled bots. They said, our view thus far shows a small-scale domestic troll effort. And this is actually Yoel Roth, certainly no conservative, talking to FBI agent Elvis Chan. So let's pick up where we left off. Schellenberger says, after FBI asks about a Washington Post story, on alleged foreign influence, and a pro-Trump tweet, Twitter Joel Roth says, the article makes a lot of insinuations, but we saw no evidence that that was the case here, and in fact, a lot of strong evidence pointing in the other direction. And Schellenberger says, it's not the first time that Twitter's Roth has pushed back against the FBI. In january twenty twenty, Roth resisted FBI efforts to get Twitter to share data outside of the normal search warrant process. It almost sounds like um like that wouldn't be legal. You know? I mean, but then since when has that stopped the FBI, right? Yeah, no, he's got the, he's got the screenshot here. Elvis Chan saying My colleagues at the fort had a query for you, I've provided it to you below. It says, a few years ago, Twitter said they would no longer provide their data feed to members of the intelligence community. My colleagues want to know if that policy has changed or if you would be willing to change it. My colleagues are currently contracting with a vendor for an analytic tool for open source intelligence, only publicly available data. The commercial version of this tool includes the Twitter data feed. However, the feed was disabled because the vendor said they did not want to violate the terms of service with Twitter. My colleagues are wondering if Twitter would be open to revising its terms of service to allow this vendor to continue having access to the Twitter feed. My colleagues are happy to meet in person to discuss this issue with you if you would like. Hope you have a great holiday season. Regards, Elvis. Again, not Presley. Presley. This is supervisory special agent Elvis M. Chan, Squad CY1, not to be confused with CYA, National Security Cyber, FBI, San Francisco. So the response from Yoel Roth, he says, as discussed, here's my suggestion. Oh 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 whoa 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 whoa. Okay, this is third party. Elvis Chan had not sent it to Yoel Roth. He sent it to somebody else at Twitter. And that name's blacked out. And so Joel Roth is responding to his colleague, his co-worker. He says, as discussed, here's my suggested response to Elvis Chan. Of course, feel free to tweak it, edit it, whatever. But I tried to hit on the major points. So here it is. At this point, we don't think a call directly with your colleague at the fort is the best path forward. As a rule... We're not able to directly discuss data licensing relationships with third parties, such as the customers of our data customers, both due to confidentiality reasons and limited information on our end about the business decisions that may have led one of our customers to decline to provide services to the government. We also have a long-standing policy prohibiting the use of our data products and APIs for surveillance And intelligence gathering purposes, which we would not deviate from. Ultimately, we want to be good partners to government and help combat our shared threats. But the best path, but the best path for NSA or any part of the government to request information about Twitter users or their content is in accordance with valid legal process. In other words, you know, we want to help you, but we're not too crazy about actually breaking the law. Now, I had to look up uh, API. I'll admit, I didn't know what it stood for. Application Programming Interface. This is off an IBM page. Application Programming Interfaces, or APIs, simplify software development and innovation by enabling applications to exchange data and functionality easily and securely. Well, that certainly sounds like what Elvis over the FBI San Francisco wanted. Schellenberger continues, pressure had been growing. Okay, and then he has a screenshot of an email from January 2nd, 2020, from Carlos Manji Jr., Director of Policy and Philanthropy, U.S. and Canada, for Twitter, to Yoel Roth and somebody else whose name is redacted. He says, I definitely agree with the caution here. He says, we have seen a sustained, if uncoordinated, effort by the intelligence community to push us to share more information and change our API policies. They are probing and pushing everywhere they can, including by whispering to congressional staff. We should stay connected and keep a solid front against uh, these efforts. My sense from the exchange below is that Elvis is sending a message he was asked to send but, he does, but that he doesn't feel ownership of it, and a polite discussion will suffice to answer the, the mail here. Do we know which commercial provider is being referenced here by the clues offered? Do we feel like there is any additional guidance we can give to the, those companies that could help clarify our rules and minimize their efforts to point back at our API rules when they feel pressure from governments? It seems that data miner has gotten that message clearly, but we keep getting additional queries from elsewhere. Schellenberger continues saying, time and again, FBI asks Twitter for evidence of foreign influence, and Twitter responds that they aren't finding anything worth reporting. Okay? So, Joel Roth, to somebody in his team, name redacted, says, We're continuing to closely monitor the situation and haven't yet seen anything that's in line with Senator Rubio's tweet. We've heard that the tweet may have been based on a miscommunication between the Senate Intelligence Committee staff and Grafica, who they employ for narrative analysis and investigations, but we haven't gotten any specifics beyond that. At this stage, my team's findings have largely been that U.S.-based trolling groups are behind some of the on-platform violative activity and misleading information we've seen. While much of this violates our terms of service, we haven't yet identified activity that we'd typically refer to you or even flag as interesting in the foreign influence context. We're still investigating some of the new developments this morning involving anonymous, such as hashtag OpDeathEaters, which has been focused on a resurfacing of old Jeffrey Epstein related court documents. As always, if there's anything you become aware of that might be interesting, please feel free to flag to us. Any source of signal on these issues is much appreciated. So that was an email from May 31st, 2020, and then another email from less than a month later, June 26, 2020, again to names redacted says, hi, Elvis and team. Wanted to briefly follow up on this one following our review. First, I want to apologize for any confusion here. A tooling bug on our end resulted in one of the accounts not being correctly enrolled in our authenticity checks, which is why you saw it stay online even after the others came down. We fixed the issue. Beyond that, to the extent the FITF is able to share any information about the sources, sources of these accounts, even at a very high level, in other words, sourced from U.S. government information, sourced from researchers outside U.S. government who do not have access to classified information, etc., it would be much appreciated. While the accounts showed some signs of inauthenticity, they weren't so clear-cut on our end that they would trigger a proactive referral of associated accounts or content to the Bureau. We don't at this time have clear indication that they are foreign in origin. I recognize that the Bureau's ability to share sourcing information in these cases can be constrained, but anything you're able to share that might help further our investigation here could potentially enable additional review and sharing on our side. Thanks, Yoel. So the Feds keep pushing. Schellenberger says, despite Twitter's pushback, the FBI repeatedly requests information from Twitter that Twitter has already made clear it will not share outside of normal legal channels. So here is an example from July 9th, 2020, late afternoon. Hi, Yoel. Thank you again for taking the time to look into this matter. We really appreciate it when available. I had a few follow-up questions I'm hoping you can answer. Based on my understanding, Twitter observed some of the accounts using VPNs and VoIP as a way to obfuscate their online activities based on what you're seeing, would you be able to advise how the account holders were using VOIP on Twitter's platform? Also, while I understand obtaining the actual VPN IP addresses associated with the respective accounts would likely require legal process, would Twitter be open to sharing which service providers those VPN IP addresses resolved to. Please let me know if you have any questions. Thank you in advance for your time. Respectfully, name redacted, counterintelligence division, foreign influence task force, global unit, and I guess that's FBI. So, three and a half days later, Joel Roth emails back saying, hey, so-and-so, sorry about the delay. In terms of VOIP usage, Twitter requires people registering an account to confirm either an email address or a phone number, and in the course of using Twitter, we may require account holders to confirm a phone number if we detect any indications of suspicious activity originating from their accounts. Several of the phone numbers we observed associated with these accounts appeared to be linked to VOIP phone providers, a relatively common tactic for obtaining phone numbers for the purpose of account confirmation as for the VPN information after consulting with name redacted we would need legal process to provide further information about the IPS subnets providers etc associated with the authentic with the authentication IPS from these accounts in other words yeah you know I mean you're asking us to break the law again and we're just going to kind of stay right here and not do it Schellenberger says, then in July 2020, the FBI's Elvis Chan arranges for temporary top-secret security clearances for Twitter executives so that the FBI can share information about threats to the upcoming elections. Well, all except for the real one, right? Elvis Chan says, all, that's a weird way to start a letter, not dear so-and-so or hey guys, but all, comma, since I brought up the security clearances during our call, I don't think we have anyone at Twitter who has a permanent security clearance. Correct me if I'm wrong. What I would propose is that 30 days out from the election, we get you temporary clearances. You get to pick who they would be. Let me know what you think. Thanks. Elvis M. Chan, Supervisory Special Agent FBI, San Francisco. Schellenberger continues on August 11th, 2020 the FBI's Elvis Chan shares information with Twitter's Roth Yol Roth relating to the Russian hacking organization Apt28 through the FBI's secure one-way communications channel teleporter okay so what's that look like Elvis once again saying all I got some information to share with you via teleporter you'll see an email from it shortly so you can download the document Thanks. And so that is um a 504 in the afternoon, September 15th, 2020. Ah, I see. But there's another email from a month earlier, August 11th, 2020, in which he says, in advance of this week's meeting, I'm going to send you, going to be sending you three documents through an FBI application called Teleporter. You'll get a link from Teleporter which will expire in 24 hours. Please download the documents, when you get a chance, the documents will not denote the actors, so I'm providing them here. We will be discussing A and B, but then don't have anything additional for C at this point. That just gets confusing. But again, Schellenberger says on August 11th, 2020, the FBI's Elvis Chan shares information with Twitter's Joel Roth relating to the Russian hacking organization, APT 28, through the FBI's secure one way communications channel trans uh, teleporter. Then he says recently, Yoel Roth told Kara Swisher that he had been primed to think about the Russian hacking group, APT 28 before news of the Hunter Biden laptop came out. Now Kara Swisher, well, she's a journalist who apparently has been uh, suspended from Twitter because putting the mouse over her, her name at Kara Swisher and nothing's coming up. But anyway, recently Yoel Roth told Kara Swisher he had been primed to think about the Russian hacking group APT28 before news of the Hunter Biden laptop came out. When it did, here is what Yoel Roth
1: said. We learn about D.C. leaks and we learn about the intersection between APT 28, a unit of Russian military intelligence, a hacking group. And so the morning of the Hunter Biden story in the New York Post happens and it was weird, right? We didn't know what to believe. We didn't know what was true. There was there was smoke. And ultimately for me, I. Uh, it didn't reach a place where I was comfortable removing this content from Twitter. But it set off every single one of my finely tuned APT28 hack and leak campaign alarms. Right, so it looked possibly probably.
3: Everything about it looked so like a hack not... and leak.
0: Everything about it looked like a hack and leak. Because the FBI, I guess, had been lying to him for so long, he was expecting it. Schellenberger says, in August 2020, FBI's Elvis Chan asks Twitter, does anyone there have top-secret clearance? When someone mentions Jim Baker, Elvis Chan responds, I don't know how I forgot him. An odd claim, given Elvis Chan's job is to monitor Twitter, not to mention they worked together at the FBI. And Schellenberger provides the screenshots here. And then he says, "Who is Jim Baker? In case any of you forgot, he's former general counsel of the FBI from 2014 to 2018. One of the most powerful men in the United States intel community. Baker had moved in and out of government for 30 years, serving stints at CNN, Bridgewater, a 140 billion dollar asset management firm, and the Brookings Institute. As general counsel of the FBI." Baker played a central role in making the case internally for an investigation of Donald Trump. And here they link to a Wall Street Journal article from May 19, 2022. FBI took Michael Sussman's allegation of Trump-Russia ties seriously, former official testifies. And it says, the former top FBI lawyer, said the agency would have treated allegations connecting the Trump campaign to Russia more skeptically if their source, lawyer Michael Sussman, had told the Bureau he was coming forward on behalf of clients that included Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign. The testimony came Thursday, again remember this was back in May, at the criminal trial of Mr. Sussman, the first from Special Counsel John Durham in his three-year probe and how the FBI handed handled allegations of ties between the Trump campaign and Russia in 2016, the, tr- the crux of the case hinges in recollections of a bitterly contested meeting between Mr. Sussman, who said in a text message at the time he was not acting on any client's behalf, and the FBI's then-General Counsel, James Baker, in the heat of the presidential campaign. Sussman brought Baker allegations about a possible secret communications channel between a server connected to then-GOP presidential candidate Donald Trump's business and a Russian bank and told the FBI official he was providing the information out of civic concern about what he believed it showed. The FBI dismissed the allegations within a few weeks, but the circumstances of how they came to the Bureau have continued to reverberate for years. It goes on and on and on and on and on. I mean, we don't have time to get into the, get into the whole thing. But um, Schellenberger inexorably, continues. He says, Jim Baker was not the only senior FBI executive involved in the Trump investigation to go to Twitter. Dawn Burton, the former deputy chief of staff to FBI head, James Comey, who initiated the investigation of Trump, joined Twitter in 2019 as director of strategy. As of 2020, there were so many former FBI employees, bureau alumni, Working at Twitter, they had created their own private Slack channel and a crib sheet to onboard new FBI arrivals. Well, let me just tell you what this, the screenshot says. Email June 15, 2020, 29 p.m. Matthew Williams, the email is entitled, Welcome to Jim Baker and Don Burton. It says, Hey, Jim, so excited you're here. I'm no longer the newer, newest Bureau alumni. Here is the Bureau to Twitter translation chart I mentioned, adding Dawn so she can add slash correct. Again, welcome, super pumped to work with you again. He gives a bunch of different things, like Climate Survey is handled by AES at the Bureau. It's handled by Pulse at Twitter. Intranet Homepage, handled by Red Side Homepage at the Bureau, handled by Birdhouse at Twitter. Team slash Topic Sites handled by FBI SharePoint sites at the Bureau, handled by something called Confluence at Twitter. So he's just going down the line, all the way down to your 401K, your payroll, all this stuff, handled by this at the FBI, handled by that at Twitter. Kind of a, you know, welcome on board, get acquainted deal from a fellow alumni of the FBI. Schellenberger says, efforts continued to influence Twitter's Yoel Roth. In September 2020, Roth participated in what they call a tabletop exercise at the Aspen Institute on a potential hack-and-dump operation relating to Hunter Biden. The goal was to shape how the media covered it and how social media carried it. The organizer was Vivian Schiller, former CEO of NPR, NPR, National Public Radio, all things half-considered. She was also former head of news at Twitter, former general manager of New York Times, and former chief digital officer of NBC News. Attendees included Facebook's head of security policy and the top national security reporters for the New York Times, Washington Post, and others. he's got the screenshot again. Schellenberger says by mid-September 2020, Elvis Chan and Yoel Roth had set up an encrypted messaging network, so employees from FBI and Twitter could communicate. They also agreed to create a virtual war room for all the internet industry, plus the FBI and Office of the Director of National Intelligence. I, I'm just—I'm telling you—I think this John Ratcliffe guy has has something to answer for. We all thought that he was just loyal. True blue loyal to Donald Trump as director of national intelligence. And he said, well, if there was any meeting between my office and Twitter, it was just a one-shot deal. No, 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 no. These people keep on saying every week, regular basis. Schellenberger continues, then on uh, then on September 15, 2020, the FBI's Laura Dimlow, who heads up the Foreign Influence Task Force, and Elvis Chan request to give a classified briefing for Jim Baker, without any other Twitter staff, such as Yoel Roth, present. Now, if I'm Yol Roth, I'd be kind of skeptical at this point. On October 14th, shortly after the New York Post publishes its Hunter Biden laptop story, Yoel Roth says, it isn't clearly violative of our hacked materials policy, nor is it clearly in violation of anything else. This feels a lot like a somewhat subtle leak operation. And there's a screenshot of that email. Schellenberger says, in response to Yol Roth, Jim Baker repeatedly insists that the Hunter-by materials were either faked, hacked, or both, and a violation of Twitter policy. Baker does so over email and in a Google Doc on October 14th and 15th. And yet it's inconceivable a baker actually believed the Hunter Biden emails were either fake or hacked. The New York Post had included a picture of the receipt signed by Hunter Biden and an FBI subpoena showing that the agency had taken possession of the laptop in December 2019. As for the FBI, it likely would have taken a few hours for it to confirm that the laptop had belonged to Hunter Biden indeed. It only took a few days for journalist Peter Schweitzer to prove it. And here, once again, we have audio from the esteemed Peter Schweitzer.
1: When the laptop dropped in uh, 2020, I had no idea where it came from. I didn't know if it was real. But what I did was I took the files on the Hunter Biden laptop and I compared it to bodies of information that we knew were absolutely true. So, for example, the Secret Service, again, at the request of the U.S. Senate Committee, had released Hunter Biden's travel records. So we were able to take the laptop and say, when he says he's in Dubai, does that correspond with the Secret Service travel records? If he's emailing somebody and saying, I'm in Hong Kong, does that line up? In each and every case, it lined up. Then we compared the laptop to the suspicious activity reports, the SARS reports. Uh, When the emails referenced $5 million being wired uh, to Hunter Biden's business, does that correspond with the SARS? And again, it lined up completely. And the laptop really came out at about the same time as the Secret Service travel logs and the wire transfers. So it really would not have been possible for somebody to you know create thousands of emails simultaneously to demonstrate it. Then the final thing we did, Michael, is we looked at Hunter Biden's laptop emails, and we compared them with a collection that we'd received from Hunter Biden's business partners, a guy named Bevan Cooney, who's in jail. He shared his Gmail account with us, and we, we looked at it. The Hunter Biden laptops that have Bevan Cooney correspondence on them, do they actually line up with Bevan Cooney's Gmail account? And again, they did 100%. Now, I was able to do this in Florida with my researchers. The New York Times, The Washington Post, CBS News, ABC News, could have done the same thing. But they were not interested in this story. They did not pursue this story. If you had told me that that information would come forward that Jimmy Carter's family or Ronald Reagan's family was receiving tens of millions of dollars from Russian businesses that were linked to the KGB, it would have set off alarm bells, rightfully so, to all kinds of news outlets. That's really the equivalent of what we're talking about here, and yet the media somehow convinced themselves that this was not an important or an interesting story.
0: All right, so that's Peter Schweitzer author of all those great books. Now, Michael Schellenberger, Michael Schellenberger continues saying, By 10 a.m., October 14th, Twitter executives have bought into a wild hack-and-dump story. Now, remember, when we say 10 a.m., we're talking 2 p.m. Eastern Time, because Twitter's out on the Pacific Pacific. Coast time zone. Quote from the email here, Yol Roth, the suggestion from experts, which rings true, is there was a hack that happened separately and they loaded the hacked materials on the laptop that magically appeared at a repair shop in Delaware. Schellenberger continues, at 3.38 p.m. that same day, October 14th, Baker arranges a phone conversation with Matthew J. Perry in the office of the General Counsel of the FBI. The influence operation persuaded Twitter executives that the Hunter Biden laptop did not come from a whistleblower. One of them linked to a Hill article based on a Washington Post article from October 15th, which falsely suggested that Rudy Giuliani's leak of the laptop had something to do with Russia. There is evidence that FBI agents had warned elected officials of foreign influence with the primary goal of leaking the information to the news media. This is a political dirty trick used to create the perception of impropriety. In 2020, the FBI gave a briefing to Senator Grassley and Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin claiming evidence of Russian interference into their investigation of Hunter Biden. The briefing angered Senators Grassley and Ron Johnson, who say it was done to discredit their investigation. And here is the money quote from the letter that Chuck Grassley, ranking member, Committee on the Judiciary, and Ron Johnson, ranking member, Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations, Sent to uh, Bradley Benavides, Deputy Assistant Director, Counterintelligence Division of the FBI. The money quote here, With respect to the substance of the briefing, it consisted primarily of information that we already knew and information unconnected to our Biden investigation. We made clear to you at the briefing that it was not relevant to the substance of our work. In response, you stated that the FBI is not attempting to quash, curtail, or interfere in the investigation in any way. We also made clear our concern that the briefing would be subject to a leak that would shed a false light on the focus of our investigation. Indeed, on May first, 2021, the Washington Post did exactly that. And so did the other inaccurate media articles during the course of our investigation, which falsely labeled our investigation as advancing Russian disinformation. So, wow. Schellenberger says, notably, then FBI general counsel Jim Baker was investigated twice in 2017 and 2019 for leaking information to the news media. Mark Meadows asked, you're saying he's under criminal investigation? That's why you're not letting him answer? And the answer from Baker's attorney was yes. Now, that is a link to an article over at the Politico uh, by Rachel Bade and Rebecca, Rebecca Moran January 15, 2019, entitled, Ex-FBI General Counsel Faced Criminal Leak Probe. And it says, former FBI General Counsel James Baker came under criminal investigation for allegations that he leaked unauthorized information to the media according to congressional transcripts released by House Republicans Tuesday. In a letter to U.S. Attorney John Durham of Connecticut, House Oversight Ranking Republican Jim Jordan and Freedom Caucus Chairman Mark Meadows requested more information on the probe. The Trump allies' letter, quoted from unreleased transcripts of a closed-door deposition October 2018 where Baker's lawyer barred him from answering questions about interactions with reporters citing the investigation. Baker's counsel, Daniel Levin, told the committee during the session, I'm sorry, I'm going to cut, not let him answer these questions right now. You may or may not know he's been the subject of a leak investigation, which is still a criminal leak investigation that's still active at the Justice Department, so I'm cutting him off. For answering Republicans double checked that they heard correctly. Meadows asked, you're saying he's under criminal investigation. That's why you're not letting him answer. Baker's attorney Levin responded. Yes. Later adding, I don't want him talking about conversations. He had with reporters, because I don't know what the questions are. And I don't know what the answers are right now, given that there is an ongoing investigation of him for leaks, which the department has not closed. I'm not comfortable letting him answer questions. Baker's counsel declined to comment on the GOP letter. But the revelation's timing suggests that Republicans are seeking to undercut Baker's credibility following a bombshell report in the New York Times last weekend. So what they're talking about there is the New York Times article from January 2019, which said the FBI had questioned whether Trump was working on Russia's behalf, opening an inquiry into his actions and motivations after he fired former FBI Director James Comey. And of course, of course, of course, it's all made up. But the New York Times is down for the struggle. The New York Times is in the tank for the regime. To quote the old uh, hip-hop philosophers, Run-DMC, that's the way that it is, and it's like that. Michael Schellenberger continues in the Twitter Files, Chapter 7, saying, In the end... The FBI's influence campaign aimed at executives at news media, Twitter, and other social media companies worked. They censored and discredited the Hunter Biden laptop story. By December 2020, Baker and his colleagues even sent a note of thanks to the FBI for its work. The FBI's influence campaign may have been helped by the fact that it was paying Twitter millions of dollars For its staff time. Oh, yeah. An associate of Jim Baker in early 2021 announced, I'm happy to report we have collected $3,415,323 since October 2019. And they have the screenshot of that email. Schellenberger continues, and the pressure from the FBI and social media platforms continues. In August 2022, Twitter executives prepared for a meeting with the FBI, whose goal was to who, whose goal was to convince us to produce a more FBI EDRs. EDRs are emergency disclosure requests. In other words, a warrantless search, a search without a warrant. Uh, well, that's not good. Schellenberger continues in response to the Twitter files revelation of high-level FBI agents at Twitter. Congressman Jim Jordan said, I have concerns about whether the government was running a misinformation operation on We the People. Yeah, I think you might be onto something there, Congressman Jim Jordan. Schellenberger then says, anyone who reads the Twitter files, regardless of their political orientation, should share those concerns. Now, that having been said, we, uh, we do have some more audio we need to share with you, which is germane to the subject at hand. So let's get right to it. Devin Nunes was on Tucker Carlson's show on Fox News Monday night, December nineteenth, twenty 2022, and it went
3: something like this. Agencies are out of control well agencies are out of control and have hollowed out democracy to the point where it 's not recognizable I apologize he didn 't say that twice. I goofed up so let me
0: let me start over again at the right place so it doesn 't sound like Tucker is repeating
3: himself well, agencies are out of control and have hollowed out democracy to the point where it 's not recognizable. Here's a shocking story. New reporting tonight from John Solomon at the website Just the News reveals that DOJ began spying on the U.S. Congress in 2017. Specifically, DOJ sought grand jury subpoenas for the personal emails of at least two staffers on the House Intel Committee, including Cash Patel. Now, this is right around the time the House Intel Committee was probing the Russian collusion hoax. Now, Devin Nunes, you would think, would be beyond attack by the agencies since he was the chairman of the house intel committee at the time he was the guy overseeing the intel agencies but it looks like he wasn't we now know devin Nunes joins us tonight congressman thank you so much uh for coming on great so it I, I i should say it looks like you were spied upon as well um what, what do you make of this now that we know it for sure all right so a great introduction
0: there from uh, from Tucker, and let's see what uh, what Congressman Noonan says. Well, former Congressman Noonan says in response.
2: Well, look, at this point, at this point, Tucker, it appears to be that it's not just a couple staff. It looks like it probably is more. We only have a couple subpoenas at this point. So we're. this is probably just the tip of the iceberg. And, and what this is, is by, remember, they targeted my lawyers. So, and, and if you go back to the time frame, what was happening? We were in a brawl with the Department of Justice and the FBI because we caught them spying on the Trump campaign and other Republican. operatives in 2016 that continued on to 2017. At this time we had confronted high level folks at the highest level of the Department of Justice and the FBI saying that look, we think you guys might have a problem here too Uh, maybe you should recuse yourself maybe you shouldn't be involved you would have thought they would have got to the bottom of it but instead what they did is they did this cute little way of reverse targeting me by going after my staff to figure out how did we know this information? What were we going to do with this information? And this was all just months before we made this all public that the FBI used the Clinton and DNC dirt to spy on Trump in the Trump campaign.
0: Wow. You know, I mean, you know, I said to, to open the show, it's, it's treason.
3: And It is. It is. Tucker comes back. You can't have a democracy in which unelected bureaucrats with guns control elected officials. That is not a democracy. Why does no one burn this down and start again? It's, it's the most serious possible threat. It's a much greater threat than any foreign government. Why does no one ever do anything about this? Good question. Great
0: question from Tucker. Tucker knocks the, the, ball out, the cover off the ball every night as far as I'm concerned. Devin Nunes' response.
2: Well, look, we, we tried, Tucker, and you know, we made 14 criminal referrals. I assume John Durham has that. Now, look, a lot of these referrals did involve lying and misleading Congress, obstruction of justice. These are all things, if I'm John Durham, I know that they're trying to close him down, the Biden administration is to close him down, but I think Congress, my former colleague, should be pushing this information, ask Durham to look at this, because this is clearly in the realm of what John Durham's scope was to look at. And I know he brought some cases in D.C. against against citizens. Uh, he has yet to bring any charges against the very people who we trust with these, with these really uh, high-level powers uh, that appear to, well, not appear, they did. I mean, they turned it against the United States Congress to try to figure out, yeah. either to try to figure out what we were doing or try to get blackmail on us.
0: Think about that. Either trying to figure out what we're doing or get blackmail on us. Think about that. Tucker doesn't miss a trick. Check his response.
3: And it's very clear that members of Congress are being blackmailed. I can say that maybe you can't. As you know. Devin Nunes. I appreciate your coming on tonight. Thank you for bringing this to our attention. Always a pleasure. Thank you.
0: And it's very clear that the FBI is blackmailing. Members of Congress. Think about that. Consider the implications. I mean, you know, Jagger Hoover did it. But that's supposed to be the bad old days, you know. Cash Patel, who was a Devin Nunes chief of staff, and later went on to be uh, chief of staff for the Secretary of Defense, an attorney, the guy who actually prepared the presidential daily briefing, the intelligence community's concerns about terrorism and and other things. Cash Patel was interviewed by John Solomon on justinnews.com about what Nunes was talking about, and this is going to shock the living daylights out of you.
2: Tell us what went on in that meeting and what Rosenstein threatened that I think now looks very prescient in light of what we learned from these documents.
4: Yeah, this is one of those meetings you just never forget. As a senior staffer, you're in there with the attorney general, with the director of the FBI, with the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee and a few other staffers on each side. And what we were trying to do was professionally work through the subpoenas and the backlog of documents they had supposed to give us.
0: Now, he says the attorney general. He's going to mention Rod Rosenstein. Remember, Jeff Sessions had recused himself from this whole affair. So Rod Rosenstein, Deputy Attorney General, was acting as AG. So I don't want anybody to be confused.
4: Remember, these are the subpoenas that gave you the Bruce Or 302s, the FISA warrants that were ultimately rescinded, and all of the Woods files that we now know were corrupted when they took to the FISA court. This is what was happening, and in this one meeting in particular, Rob Lorzenstein, who's known for losing his temper, had did so before, and in this meeting screamed at the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee and myself, and he literally said verbatim, if you're going to continue this investigation, I'm going to subpoena you and your records. Looking at the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee and looking at his senior counsel and chief investigator on the Russia Gate host directing that at us and Chris Le- Ray sat there in deafening silence and your readers can follow what happened afterwards there's three separate stories first DOJ denied that he ever said that then they backtracked and said oh no that's not what he said and then the third time they finally admitted it that he said that but he was kidding just, just hang on to that the Attorney General and the Department of Justice were joking about threatening to subpoena us well now we know five years later, they had already done it months beforehand, and he let it slip because he's known for having a bad temper when you call out his corrupt activities. And it just should shock everybody, and especially in this atmosphere, me, as a former guy at DOJ, as a terrorism prosecutor, to, to learn of this, it's just the beginning, John, is what I'm trying to tell your audience. What other subpoenas did they send out? Who else did they investigate on my team and Devin's team? And what was their justification for it? Because we were revealing the biggest scandal in fbi doj history they they were true to their word they said they were going to come after us and now we know they did and you can show the audience the subpoena i got it's kind of a shock because a lot of
0: us were told back in the day that rod rosenstein was one of the good guys oh no definitely not Mm. i predict the uh the twitter files are going to keep coming hot and heavy We'll continue sharing them with you along with everything else that's going on, all the news that fits. Now, I will say this. I think it's about time to say, hit it, Brian.
2: We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Don Washburn Show Tweet of the Day.
0: Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way, the big old car dealership in the middle of the USA, the believes and Freedom including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online, have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental USA. Today's tweet of the day is from the great Carrie Lake out in Arizona. Breaking. Our election case is going to trial. Katie Hobbs' attempt to have our case thrown out failed. She will have to take the stand and testify. Buckle up, America. This is far from over. This was posted at 9.03 p.m. Central Time, December 19th, Monday, December 19th. Please pray for Carrie Lake and the people of Arizona and pray for our country. Fantastic. Thank you, Mitch Ward and the crew at RedRiverYourWay.com for sponsoring our tweet of the day. You've been listening to episode 306 of the all-new Doc Washman Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washman Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us, and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washman Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions, seventh floor of the Ephemeral B. Smooth Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier the tenth. Well, that's the way it is. Monday, december nineteenth, twenty twenty two.